Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. So here we are in the bottom of the ninth inning. Two outs and running first base. Mark Knutson, the tall right-hander, trying to nail this one down. He has thrown a gem to this point. Eight and two-thirds innings, giving up just three hits and looking for his fourth complete game for the speed and perhaps to secure his 15th victory. He's got a 3-1 to one lead here in the bottom of the ninth, but at the plate is the guy who has two of those hits, Manny Randawa. A single to center and a double to right so far. Knutson into his windup. Here's the pitch, and he throws a fastball right by Randawa for strike one. Randawa a bit tardy on that swing. Now we're ready for the next pitch. The windup, and here it comes. There's a swing and a long one. Into the gap in right center field, way back towards the wall. It's off the wall. Bichette can't get there. He's chasing it down, and out of nowhere comes Ellis Burke. He'll get to the ball first. The run's going to score. Randawa is around second. He's digging for three. Here comes the throw from Burks. It's going to be close. Here's the slide. It's it's the park-adjusted Rockies podcast. And now, here are your hosts, Mark Knudsen and Manny Randawa. It's Hall of Fame season once again, so let the arguments begin. Former Rocky Todd Helton has been trending up, but will this, his fifth time on the ballot, be the year he finally gets his due? This week on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast, we're joined by Hall of Fame baseball writer Jason Stark from the MLB Network and The Athletic to talk about Helton, the first-timers on this year's ballot, and old-timers like once-upon-a-time Rocky Dale Murphy. There's no better person to break this all down, so stay right here. We're back with Jason Stark right after this. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than DenverAutographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at DenverAutographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out Stoney'sBarandGrill.com. Manny, I got a quandary here. I, I, you, you know me. I'm a big hall guy. Yeah, I got a quandary. I'm a big hall guy. I, right. I, I, the time I was at Cooperstown, oh, un- overwhelmed by the num- small number of plaques. I just think there should be a lot more guys in the Hall of Fame. But then I look at this year's ballot who just came out. I didn't see I mean, you and I have argued about this. I didn't see a first time ballot guy who belongs on the Hall of Fame. And I'm not a, I don't believe Carlos Beltran's a Hall of Famer. That's just me. You probably you usually say probably get in. Which leads me in, in other directions. We'll, we'll talk with our esteemed colleague, our, our guest right after this, Jason Stark. But if Carlos Beltran gets in and Dale Murphy's not in the Hall of Fame, they should just burn the thing to the ground. I'm sorry. I'm an old guy. I get Tell it. us how you really Dale feel, Murphy, Dale Murphy was the best player of the 1980s. If he's not in the Hall of Fame, how do you put Carlos Beltran in the Hall of Fame? It's ridiculous. Well, with that, let's introduce our guest. Yeah, we have the great Jason Stark with us. Really needs no introduction, but we, um, we're we so glad to have him on the show, especially at this time of year with the Hall of Fame season. Jason, first of all, thanks uh, thanks for being with us, and I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving, and uh, and we're we're full on in Hall of Fame season now. Yeah, and I'm all for a Hall of Fame season. <laughs> Outside yes. of the actual seasons, my favorite season of the year. I was a little alarmed to hear that Mark's in favor of burning the whole hall down, though. <laughs> I, 
Well, I'm not you know, it's a figure of speech. I'm not an arsonist. It's a figure of speech. But yeah, I mean, you get my well, drift. Now, now, we know, now we know who the first suspect is going yes, to be okay. if such a thing ha- ever happens. Yeah, I'll right. have to have an alibi. I got a picture in that place, man. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, do. Right? I well deserved for a few. Years. Well deserved too, I might add. But well, Jason, um, let's let's start here. I know yeah. Mark wants to get into. Um, you know, really uh, go in depth on the on the first ballot, and we do have disagreements on. I, I don't think anybody's a first ballot guy. I, I agree with you there, Mark, but I don't think I, I don't think that uh, uh, we'll get to Beltran later. And and there there are other people on that list that I think ought to be. Well, let, let me interject but, this one thing. Let me, as, as okay. a former player, it is a tremendous honor for these guys to even be nominated once. They were all really, really, really good baseball players, great baseball players. I just don't see. You know, I'm not as big Matt Kane fan, but I don't see Bronze. Roy or Jacoby Ellsbury, Andre Ethier, JJ Hardy, even being considered. I think there's I mean, one other guy really that I could, players, I could but... see on there, and that's K Rod. So, um, there, there's okay, a, there's but some... Houston Street, Jared Weaver, Jason <laughs> Worth, really good players, really outstanding baseball players, but not Hall of Famers. We're going to start uh, with Todd Helton because uh, yes. we have to. Uh, Todd Helton uh, <laughs> had 52% of the vote uh, in his fourth year last year, definitely trending in the right direction. It seems as though within the next few years at, at, at the longest um, he's going to be elected to Cooperstown becoming the second Rocky behind Larry Walker. Uh, Jason, what do you, uh, first of all, tell us uh, where you land on Helton because obviously, you know, he spent his entire, unlike Walker where you had a sample where he was an expo and a Cardinal and, and everything else. And he was already a very good player before he came to Colorado. Helton spent all 17, number 17, spent all 17 years in Colorado. And, and so that obviously has something some people considering his his vote uh, trend to be kind of um, unjustified. What do you think? Well, I'm a Todd Helton voter. Voted for him every year. I'm sure I'll vote for him again this year. And he's getting in. I, I actually yeah. think uh, he's going to make the biggest jump of anybody. Really? Uh, of anybody okay. on this ballot. You know, one thing that Larry Walker did for all of us was he, he finally got us past the the big iron door that right. stood in front of all Coors tainted candidates right. and made us realize what Coors is and what Coors isn't made us realize there are tools that are doing excellent job in this day and age of telling us what a player is, whether he plays at Coors field or Fenway park or the grand Canyon or wherever and it, it, some like, people it's say, by the way, simple, that the course field outfield is the Grand Canyon. Grand just Canyon. throw that in there, but sure, nevertheless, sure. All right, just let's just take the simplest metric that there is that that accounts for uh, park differentials and error, and that is OPS plus. Mm-hmm. Okay, Todd Helton's career OPS plus was one thirty three, so thirty three percent better than the average player of his time accounting for the park that he played in. And okay, oftentimes, so here, I, some people argue, Jason, that the park adjusted stats are a little harsh on cores. So it actually might be greater. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we can talk about that. But just for, for some perspective, here are all the first basemen since 1900 who have an OPS plus as good as Todd Helton with 2,000 games played at first base. See if you've heard of any of these guys. Lou Gehrig. Jeff Bagwell, Willie McCovey, Albert Pujols, Fred McGriff, Todd Helton. It's the entire That's list. Incredible. Seems like a pretty good list to me. Wow. That is, I had no idea that that list was that short. And uh, there's another guy we'll talk about later who's on 
on a different ballot here. Uh, in McGriff. Uh, uh, Brett McGriff. Yeah, yeah but we'll it, it's now. very likely that everybody on that list I just named is a Hall of Fame first baseman. Yeah, that's incredible. There's some great first basemen who are not on it. So that's just the very simplest metric that you can use that tells you that Todd Helton, no matter where he played, was a Hall of Fame caliber player. And then, you know, there's on baseball reference now, there's a thing called the stats neutralizer. That's a really useful tool, too. So you can take any ballpark, any era, and you know, run a guy's stats through the stats neutralizer. So I took, last year, I took Todd Helton's career numbers, and I took him out of course field and planted him down in 2000. Minute Maid Park, where Jeff hmm. Bagwell played. Okay. And guess what? His stats were actually better wow. playing in that park than they were in Cools. Of course, they're very close. But like once again, nobody penalizes any player for playing in any other park where wow. there's a big home field offensive advantage. Of course, has been the only one. So right. I don't understand anymore why people still cling to this whole course thing. We've proven that it's a it's in our imaginations more than it exists in real life. Well given that's a that, great Jason, way to put it put it more it in is. our imaginations than it is yeah. in real life. I like that. Given that Jason uh, why does he have to wait? I mean Manny said it well he's he's trending upward it'd be a couple years. Why? This ballot specifically I, I got seven guys on here that I would vote for, and you can get to vote mm -hmm. for 10. Why would Todd help? Why would the majority of the voters, why would 75% of the voters not look at this and say, that's one of the guys that belongs in? Is it going to be another year when nobody gets in? Uh, it's not impossible. Uh, Scott Rowland, probably the one player on this ballot with a realistic chance to get in since he was, what, at 63% last year? Yep. Uh, that's, that's, that's attainable. We can talk about him if you want. But, you know, the course thing is the only reason, I think, Mark. I just had a conversation with friend of mine who's a voter who told me something that I found shocking that he's never voted for Todd Helton when I said well why not he said I can't get past Coors Field and wow. I said I just told you guys we live in an age now where you can so easily explore what that means with exactly perfect historical perspective and statistical perspective and if you do that, you'll see it's easy. Hall of Fame. What I has think, to happen? Uh, I mean, I, I I wrote this a while back after um, Peyton Manning was the was the guest picker on the Tennessee Alabama football game, and Peyton Manning's everywhere. I said, why? If you're Todd Helton's people, why don't you put Todd Helton into that circumstance? Because we have a football player here, Denver, named Steve Atwater, who was not getting much Hall of Fame consideration. Great player. He started doing radio here. He started getting out, getting his face out publicly. Started being seen. And all of a sudden, his Hall of Fame credentials went skyrocketed and he got in the Hall of Fame. And I think Hilton's his reluctance to get out there publicly and do things like maybe work on the SEC network in a, as a baseball commentator or be on ESPN that day and, and, and yuck it up with those guys and get, maybe get some people to, to see him and think about him a little bit, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Maybe it's going to take some, some of a tiny bit of self-promotion before Todd Hilton gets noticed. Yeah, I, you know, I'm with you. I'm only one voter. I'm only one writer. I can only write this so many times. I can only say it on TV so many times. I can only say it to people like you guys so many times. But it, you can see now where this is headed. It's, yeah, I don't think it's even a matter of if now. It's just, I think it's a win. And I don't, I don't yeah. think this takes more than two years. If he doesn't get elected this year, 
I think he gets elected in 2020 for the 2024 induction. And he, and he should. You know, the other thing that we don't even account for is the toll that altitude takes on players exactly. when they leave course. Hangover. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys have talked to Dan or Dad about this. I'm lucky enough to work with Dan at MLB Network, and we've talked about it quite a bit. I, I want you to try to think about it this way. I mean, Dan's so good at describing this. Is there any other place that players ever play where the same pitch thrown by the same pitcher at the same distance looks different in one park than it looks in another park? Well, that happens when you play at Coors, where if you're facing Clayton Kershaw, his breaking ball breaks differently in Los Angeles then it breaks in Denver about by half. Crazy they did, they actually, they actually measured, yeah, they measured Kershaw one time and it was half the break. Yes. Uh, okay. So think, think about the challenges of leaving Coors field that nobody accounts for. And yet Todd Helton has a higher career OPS on the road than Ken Griffey jr. Just to throw a name out there and nobody, I, like, I just don't hear that ever get mentioned. So I, I can say this a hundred different ways, but the facts tell us what he was and what he was, was a hall of fame player. And well, clearly we can, clearly Manny we can keep has doing to, is sending that memo out there. Clearly Manny has to start a campaign like he did for Larry Walker and write a book like he did with Larry Walker and the guys and start getting behind. Cause Manny got Larry Walker into the hall of fame. Manny and Tracy um, Ringles got Larry. Uh, uh, yeah, so I mean, it was a lot you, more than this just is now on you, it, but, it, but I think, I think, I don't think he needs it. I think uh, like, like Jason said, it's going to happen. And um, and that's great because yeah, Walker's Walker's plaque is is not going to be the lone Rockies plaque I think soon. And well, and, and the Houston you know, and, and, on this ballot too, so we should probably you know, with all the yeah problems for hitters, you got to get the Houston surrender. right. So I think I think that's going <laughs> to happen, and that's great for this fan base. It's a really great fan base here. I mean they they haven't had much to root for um, as we as we've well documented, but it's a really good fan base uh, dating back all the way to the, the year that you, you pitched for this team in the fir- very first year, Mark. And, and it's, it, uh, you know, one thing that I will never forget after Walker got elected, we were at a watch party and this guy, this huge dude, this big burly guy came up to me and hugged me. And he said, man, we got a guy in the hall of fame, you know? And I was like, this me, I'm not a Rockies. I didn't, you know, I grew up in the Bay area. I'm not a Rockies fan. And I uh, wasn't one growing up, but uh, until it didn't really hit me until then that this was uh, really a huge deal for, for, oh, yeah. you know, for them, because it kind of makes them feel validated. Like we count our baseball counts too. Mm-hmm. And now to have Todd Helton right behind him. Um, I don't know who's going to be the next one after that. Cause I, 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 if Nolan Arenado goes along the path that he's going, I think he's going to end up potentially going in there as a Cardinal, but if we can, we're still uh, claiming him here. If he goes in as a cardinal, he's I don't still know, man. There's some people. Hey, all those gold gloves happened here. You know what? One of my biggest surprises was that Ubaldo Jimenez did not even make this ballot. I thought he would have made the ballot at least. Yes, started an all-star game. Yes, and he was he was very good that year by any measure. Uh, he had he struggled a little bit in the second half, but he was very. But you don't good make you don't make the Hall of Fame because he had one good year. He sure. He was, no, no, we're not talking about making it, but at I least know, he uh, was. The guy was maddening for those of us who, who pitchers. <laughs> he was maddening because with that kind of stuff to be be that good and that, have that kind of stuff and to try to pitch like Zach Greinke uh, just drove people crazy. He was three two on everybody he faced, and he didn't need to be. And I think that's what what prevented him from being real consistent and having a longer career because yeah. I just don't think between the ears he had the right mentality to maximize the kind of stuff he had because he was he was spectacular for that one year hey jason um i don't know if you're one of the ones that ryan thibodeau gets to publish your ballot or if you'd be willing to tell us right now the 10 guys that you're going to put on your ballot this year you know mark i haven't really 
gone through it yet. I haven't done all that work. And I, you know, I usually release my ballot column right before the the results are revealed. So I, you know, I can't say exactly who I'm going to vote for, but, you know, I did have four players who I voted for last year who came off and I voted for 10. So you could, it's pretty easy to look at players that I voted for in the past and guess who I'm going to vote for this year. And then, so then the question becomes, is there anyone, yeah. any first timer on the ballot who I would vote for? Carlos Beltran looks like the only one who I would think long and hard about. I, you know, I give Felix Rodriguez, Francisco Rodriguez, a long look, but I not think Felix, not Felix. He him. had a couple of good years too. Felix. <laughs> not, not Felix. Sorry, he had a couple of them with the Giants. Uh, I know that. Yeah, the, the other, the other Felix next next year. I get back to you. But here's the question on Carlos Beltran. I, you know, I think he had a Hall of Fame career, but I, I don't see any scenario where he's getting elected this year or any year, I'd put the over under at 40%. I'd go under. Wow. Here's why, you know, if if you want to look at wins above replacement, um, he he was a guy who, who finished his career at more than 70 wins above replacement. And every one of the PED tainted players with 70 or greater who showed up on our ballot, none of them got to 40% their first year. Not, not bond, these are position players, not bonds, not a rod, not uh, let's say, I believe Manny was on that list. Uh, Palmero did not. And given the fact that the reason none of those players got elected is because the voters were punishing them for cheating. How could you overlook this form of cheating the sign stealing form of cheating that Carlos Beltran got mixed up in, in Houston, and yet overlook, not, you know, not be willing to overlook any form of cheating. You do just to be clear, Jason, do you, do you not think you said any ballot, do you mean any ballot, any comp, any composition on a ballot on the first ballot, or do you mean any ballot period in 10 years in the 10 years? You never know how people are going to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, 10 years is a long time. Perspectives change for all sorts of reasons, but in the, to see, I, I just cannot envision him getting elected in year one because I think oh, year one, voters, I, I agree with you. The voters will yeah. clearly punish him for his role in the Astros cheating thing. Let, um, just a question of how many will punish him and how many of them will will say, okay, I'm, I'm at some point I'll reconsider, but not now. I don't know that that's going to be a big number. Let's stay on this, the PED thing. The contemporary ballot that, that the Veterans Committee is, 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 um, voting upon here this this weekend with the winter meetings uh barry bonds roger clemens and and kurt schilling are on that thing and do you what do you feel will first of all did you vote for them i, I think you, you may have alluded to voting for them before but did you vote for them and what do you think will happen this weekend uh i i did in fact vote for bonds and clemens uh Schilling's in, in a whole different category uh, but i i did vote for them i don't see any scenario where this committee elects them and then, you know, we'll have to, you know, assuming that's how it turns out, I think they'll have a, a, a fascinating conversation about those two and PEDs in that room. Um, they won't get elected. And then we'll find ourselves Sunday night contemplating what that means. Does it mm. mean there is no way they ever get in? I think that's probably what I would conclude. Uh, we, we went through 10 election cycles 
and they never really got close. And if they go through the veterans committee process and they don't get close, what's the scenario where there's any path for them to get in? That's that's astounding yeah. if you think about it, because as Manny and I talked about it really lots of times, these are Hall of Fame players before they ever heard of PEDs. Well, I mean, I've talked um, to a lot of guys who played with them uh, or yep. against them and and yep. To a man, they said, no, nah, he's all, yeah. you know, these yeah, there's, there's no there. question. I, um, I'm in that category. And but it's a no nuanced argument, right? So there's, there's no question. What, what, but if they're not going to well, get well, in. Can I, I just, can I just say this? I, yes. I mean, I think a lot of this has to do with how our perspective evolves, if it evolves, on what kind of Hall of Fame right. we want to yes. have. What Very do we want true. it to be? I, you know, it's it, it really is incredible to take a step back and realize that the all-time home run leader is not in the Hall of Fame. And may never be the all-time hits leader is not in the hall of fame and may never be pete rose uh the guy who won more cy youngs than any pitcher who ever lived is not in the hall of fame and may never be roger clemens uh the guy who broke roger maris's record mark mcguire is not in the hall of fame and undoubtedly will never be alex rodriguez (laughs) look at his numbers sometime not in the hall of fame may never be what what do we want the hall of fame to be the other halls of fame would say we're a museum. Oh. <laughs> uh, you can think what you want. We're going to elect the yep. best players. That's not how right. it works in our sport. Right. Now, Jason, that's, that's you, you true. may that's have been the point. one who wrote this. I've, 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 I've uh, many times gone back to this example, and I, and I wonder if it was you who wrote this, the year that nobody got in the last time. What do we want the hall to be, a museum or a mm-hmm. cathedral? It was yep. either you or Ken Rose. I don't remember who. Yeah, I've, 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 ri- I've definitely written this column. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think that's a version of it in my wild pitches. It was book. fantastic because that just, you know, Perfect. it crystallizes it yep. in, in, in a Perfect. pithy way. It's basically, look, do you want it to be a museum where you tell the story of the game, or do you want it to be? Every uh, uh, you know, all all these uh, all these perfect people, which then just take a, just take everybody out. You know. Well, yeah, we. I don't know if it take everybody out, but there's a there's Certainly a lot, lot of players we have yeah. to start yep. kicking out. And you get, you know, this this could circle back to the Carlos Beltran conversation at some point. But who was prouder of quote unquote cheating than Gaylord Perry? You know, wrote, wrote right. a book about it. Well, uh, yeah. You know, made yep. made people laugh uh, at old timers games and uh, mm-hmm. appearances. Mm-hmm. You know, with all his his histrionics, and we thought that form of cheating was hilarious. Yeah. And it just yep. tells you how many layers there are in this conversation. You it's know, like one, one of my problems as a voter is all of these, everybody who played in the PED era before there was testing and punishment, were just trying to play a guessing game on who did what and who didn't do what. And we're, we're terrible at that. We, I don't know how many players we've already elected who used something, who did something, but it's more than zero. Mm-hmm. And it's just the more you look at it, the more it becomes clear that the whole house of purity thing, whole of purity thing, that's not what this is anyway. So what are we doing? If yeah. if it's a museum, tell the story of a period of history the way other museums do. And I don't buy that, the whole their 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 artifacts are in the museum part. I don't buy that because look. This the, the the whole thing. You don't travel to the Hall of Fame to go into the museum, tech, the quote unquote museum part of artifacts. You go there to see the plaques, mm-hmm. right? That's the place you go. It's this hallowed hall. You want to see the plaques, and that's where the history of the game is really told. And yeah, they have the art, they have the bats and the balls and 
cleats and all that stuff. But I, I just don't buy that it's uh, the same thing. And that argument doesn't fly. I don't think. No, I, I totally agree with that because I, you know, the, the plaques are on the first floor, right? You got to go upstairs yeah. to see the other stuff. Jason, if, if it's not going to be Clemens and Bonds, who might the, this committee win? Within this week, and I'll, again, I'll go to bat for Dale Murphy. Doesn't need my help, but the guy, numbers wise, okay, three hundred and what ninety eight home runs and all. That. He was the best player of the nineteen eighties. You can't tell the story of Major League Baseball without including Dale Murphy. He was one of the great players ever, and he gets almost never mentioned for this honor. But and he should, clearly should be in the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. He, he's another guy that I voted for and never came close. I look at Dale Murphy's voting history sometime, and it's it's really crazy that. You know, he, he, he got on the ballot, started to climb and then just disappeared. Um, and I'm kind of with you, Mark, uh, the more I look at this, the more I do this, uh, the more I tend to gravitate toward players who are in some sort of best player baseball conversation mm -hmm. for an extended period of time. And I don't know how many years that conversation went on with Dale Murphy, but it was what, five years, six years, seven years. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Two MVPs. I, I mean, how many two two time MVPs I, aren't in the Hall of Fame? Right, back to back. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm, I don't, I no longer believe in uh, these magic counting numbers. Um, a lot of ways to to look at this, but I can also tell you that I have served on these veterans committees, and it's really interesting to be in the room talking about different players. Tell us a little bit about that because I've always their wondered generation. about that. Please tell us a little I, bit. I, about and the I can process. tell you that one of the questions that comes up, probably the question that came up more than any other coming from the players to people like me who were the historians in the room was how long was this period this player's period of greatness how long yeah. would you say he was a really good player because you know most of the players who get in were great players for 15 to 20 to sometimes more than 20 years and so a guy who had a short peak if you look at the history of how these committees have voted, they haven't tended to be rewarded for their short peak. Uh, you know, it's how you define short, but I, I mean, my guess is that that's what the issue has been for Dale Murphy. In the, in the view of the players in the room from his era, he didn't do it long enough. And so that'll be discussed again but they this let time. Kirby, but, but they, they let Kirby let Kirby puck it in. I mean, obviously injuries had a part to do with that, but maybe sentiment in some some way, but you can't have it one way and not the other way. Well, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of inconsistency. Yep. Another guy on <laughs> the that. way, not, not so much even we voted, but the way those veterans committees have voted. Yep. And another, yeah. See, that's the other thing too, is that we have two completely different ways of getting in. Once it looked like he was trending really well, I didn't think he was going to get in. I mean, he got in by six votes or whatever. I didn't think he was going to get in. And he, and I think <laughs> some people think, look, I value what the writers who are there who covered me, the writers out there who are an, an, analyzing these things. I care what they think, you know? And so these two different avenues kinds of make, makes for a, an odd situation of what, well, was this plaque elected by the writers? Was this plaque elected by, you know, uh, another committee uh, with different, uh, yeah. made up of different people with different perspectives. Oh, a plaque's a plaque. You get your plaque in there. That's pretty darn great. Yeah. I, and I agree. Um, and having served and been a voter, both on both i think there's tremendous value in allowing players to be looked at by a different electorate you know it was an incredible experience to sit in a room with so many hall of fame players and you know bright executives uh, fellow writers uh historians and 
you know, when a player's name would come up, like my role was kind of to say, right, this is why this player is a Hall of Fame worthy player. Here's why he didn't get elected. And then I would turn to the Hall of Fame players in the room and say, and what did you guys see? And the perspective that they had from playing with and against them was fantastic. You know, I mean, I try to survey all kinds of people when I vote anyway, but to sit in a room and have those conversations with players who spent their lives playing baseball at the same time as these players was incredible because we all played off of each other. We saw things, we perceived things. Uh, it was amazing. And so there is, there is value in getting elected by those committees. Yep. Um, and it's, there's no, Mark, as you just said, there's no line, there's no designation uh, in there's the no hall asterisk. between no. who elected you. Right? right. And there's, there's no line that anyone draws between those, players elected by the committees and the players elected by the writers. Everyone is in the club. Yep. It's kind of interesting that Kurt Schilling's on that committee ballot this year. And he said, after missing by 16 votes two years ago, I don't want to be elected by you guys anymore. Mm-hmm. I want to be elected by my peers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see how peers? that turns out. For him. <laughs> I don't know if he has any peers anymore. The only guy <laughs> in the world who, who's tweeted his way out of the hall of fame, but, um, who gets yeah, in this weekend? That. Does anybody get in this weekend? Yeah, I think the great. I list. think Fred McGriff is made to is made to order for this group. Um, you know, Fred McGriff just fits the profile of players who this committee has elected. He played a couple of decades. Uh, was one what two home run titles, uh, and was was a, especially early in his career before the PED era really kicked in. Um, was a top five league leader type every year yep. and uh, home run slugging OPS, all the stuff that really matters. Great citizen of the game would have hit 500 homers if it weren't for the strike in 94. And I think I, and I've written this too is to me, probably the, uh, the player who was victimized by the PED era more than any other single player. And I've documented this. If you look at the first chunk of Fred McGriff's career and then everything that happened after the PED era really began to kick in in like 93, his numbers for each stretch were virtually unchanged. What changed is everybody else. Okay. So the first chunk of his career led the league or almost led the league in everything every year, then had the same season for another 15 years and never led the league because all of a sudden, yeah, all of a sudden 35, 38, 42 homers wasn't going to lead the league anymore. It hit 70. You didn't do that. Yeah. A couple of guys I'd like to ask you about. Jeff Kent is on his last ballot. He was at 32%, 32.7 last um, time. I I don't know that Jeff Kent is a, is a hall of famer, but he has a case, a really good case and, and he's going to fall off the ballot. Do you think that um, this is a guy that belongs in the Hall of Fame, given his rank among specifically in, at his position among second basemen in baseball history? Uh, he, you know, I was on MLB Network last week with Dan O'Dowd, who posed a question about Jeff Kent that really is interesting to look at it this way. He said, just name me any other player who w- was a 
dominant, probably the dominant offensive player at his position for a decade and got this few votes. Right. And had, you know, didn't have any PED clouds hanging over him. It's a really good point. What I look for as a voter is some claim to historic greatness. And I think hmm. Jeff Kent has that. Hmm. Uh, more home runs than any second baseman who ever played baseball. That's pretty good historic claim to fame. Yep. And the highest career slugging percentage by any second baseman since Rogers Hornsby retired. Uh, when did Rogers Hornsby retire? In the dead ball era. He slugged so, 500 for his career and he play, spent much of it in San Francisco yeah. and other, it's not like he played in uh, yeah. Coors Field, right? Like yep. we were talking about. That, that's exactly right. Now, hey, you know, San Francisco for a right-handed hitter was actually not a bad place to play, but you're exactly right. I, so I, I recognize why players, why, why some of these voters don't vote for Jeff Ken. I don't understand why he has never come close and this is his last year on the ballot. I mean, he's had he's gotten no traction in recent years, even as the ballot has opened up with all the players we've. Well, it's never going to be more open than it is this year, I don't think. It, that is exact. <laughs> that is so true, Mark. Before we so, let you go, Jason, um, Manny, go ahead and give us your guys. You put on the. I'll get Jason's reaction. Who would you put on this? Up this uh, uh, Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Billy Wagner. I think should be a Hall of Famer. And he's 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 getting he's his eighth year. He's at fifty one last time. Andrew Jones is close for me. I don't know. Yep. I'd have to look at that um, a lot more. Um, Manny Ramirez. That looks like you would vote for Manny. I would vote for Manny. Yeah. That's how many do I have there? That's about five. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I, 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 uh, I just believe it's, I believe in an up or down rather than a first ballot, second ballot deal. So I would, I would put yeah. Beltran and, uh, and K rod in there. So that's about, I guess that's. I, 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 I have, I have eight guys, nine guys that I would consider Helton, obviously. I think Andre Jones should have been in already. I'd put A-Rod in. I think A-Rod was a Hall of Fame player regardless of the PD situation. Scott Rowland, uh, Kent, as you mentioned. I'm going to have to shelve some personal feelings and put Gary Sheffield on that list, too. I mean, um, yeah, you've got some Gary was a great player. There. We had our problems, but... Um, I like your I, A-Rod pick, though. That's actually fair. And you know, Billy Wagner, Omar Vizquel, because I, I appreciate defense so much. And I guess if you're going to go with, with A-Rod, you got to go with Manny Ramirez as well. So, But it is. It's not a year where there's 10 guys, I don't uh, think. No, I, I mean, I haven't voted for 10 every year. I went through a period where the ballot just got so overcrowded where I would I, I would have voted for 14, 15 yeah. of those years. But I, I can tell you the, uh, the guys that I voted for last year who are back, uh, Roland, Wagner, Helton, Kent. I, Sheffield, I voted last for last year for the first time. I had room on my ballot and yep. um, voted for him. And then Jimmy Rollins was in his first year on the ballot. Uh, has a really unique case uh, among all the shortstops who have ever played. No, no shortstop who played baseball had Jimmy Rollins' career. We could talk about it uh, in more depth if you want. So that was the group. Andrew Jones has been my my single toughest call. A tough one. You know, there was a period there for, you know, when Andrew was was young and at his defensive peak where he was just the most breathtaking defensive center fielder that I ever saw. But a couple of things stopped me, uh, the way his career fell off the cliff after age 30. You know, he would have the fewest wins above replacement of any outfielder in the Hall of Fame at age 30 on. Wow. Um, and, you know, people say, well, how can you vote for Scott Rowland, but not Andrew Jones? Well, Scott Rowland was still winning gold gloves and making all-star teams at 35 and 36. And Andrew Jones was 
done. Uh, the other thing is Jim Edmonds was one and done on our ballot. And if you look at the overall player, the overall career, uh, I'm just not convinced that Andre was a better overall player than Jim Edmonds. Um, you know, I have this stat that I use to explain why I vote for Roland all the time. Um, not just one of the greatest defensive third baseman who ever played baseball, but a really good offensive player who he had eight years where he won a gold glove and had an OPS plus of 120 or better. So 20% better than league average, eight seasons, very Nolan Arenado like in his day. Yes, the only indeed. player with more as a third baseman, since there's been such a thing as a gold glove is Mike Schmidt with 10. Mm -hmm. Nolan has seven. Um, if you do that with center fielders, uh, Jim Edmonds, I, I, if I remember this right, ranks third all time. And Andrew Jones doesn't even make the leaderboard. Uh, Jim mm -hmm. Edmonds had twice as many seasons like that as Andrew had. And it just, it just gives me pause uh, to go back to that thing we talked about with how long was this player's period of greatness. Um, other Hall of Fame players want you to continue to be great well into your thirties. And I, I, Andrew Jones didn't even have a good season in his thirties, let alone a great season <laughs> in his thirties. And, you know, so how committed to greatness was he? I just, this is the kind of stuff mm -hmm. that I'm troubled by a, a little bit. And I could, you know, I still could end up voting for him. Uh, I'll give him another really good, thoughtful look, but that everybody always asks, why do you not vote for that guy? that's kind of been my thinking till now. Well, nobody, nobody's better at this than you are. In fact, I'll go back to 2007. You wrote something after the Rockies tremendous world series run that year. Uh, you, you broke that all down statistically and it was just riveting. It, it was some of the best stuff I've ever read. Uh, and I think that the way you made sense of all of that and made it readable for people who maybe weren't diehard baseball fans was fantastic. So, but I think you're also able to, to do what I do and I'm, I try not to get caught up in statistics. Use that old Supreme Court definition of pornography. You know it when you see it. I tend to trust my eyes a little bit more than I trust the numbers. But you seem to have developed a, a way to combine those two things. And I think every voter should try to do that. Yeah. I, people ask me, well, what, you know, what do you look for? What do you look at when you Sometimes vote? you can't tell well, them, my right? My answer is, I look at everything. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, you know, I really believe that there is a feeling that you get when you're in a ballpark and you're watching a great player show you how great he is. And mm. I, I don't dismiss that feeling. There are people in my business um, who don't believe in that. Uh, I think that's a mistake. Jason, um, one, other, one guy we haven't mentioned is, uh, and, and the, it goes back to the question of uh, how long of a peak do you need to have? I mean, how long of, 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 production Greatness. meaning them that's don mattingly don i mean at, at at one point the best first baseman in the american league no doubt and in the 19 i think it was 1985 mvp al mvp he was just a tremendous defensive player where do we how do we, to me right now he's not a hall of famer because my my lens is it, it goes through that it wasn't productive long enough got hurt the back issue where do you kind of see that fuzzy line where we cross into well, he was good. He was he was a guy that you can't really tell the story. Well, this is the Kirby the Puckett question too, isn't over it? An, or, or over an era, isn't this the Kirby well, Puckett thing too, man? I, I, yeah, except that I, you know, I, I think by any measure, Don Mattingly's peak was shorter than Kirby's peak, um, and just it's 
it's the shortness of that peak and the lack of enough greatness around it or near greatness that, that winds up keeping him out of the Hall of Fame. And yet if Don Manley ever got in, I, like I would be, I'd be so happy for him. I would be happy for, for the man. For the honestly. whole and for our sport. Uh, he's just yeah. a, the way he carries himself, uh, the, the way he's contributed to the game in so many other ways, and the greatness that he displayed in that peak there's just something to be said for that. that the, we don't value that enough. Um, that's, that's the a great reason point. he that's doesn't get in. But we don't value know, we it don't, enough. Yeah. We don't value it enough. Uh, we're going to have that conversation in a year with Chase Utley. How long was his beat? Magley was the best hitter I ever faced, and I faced Tony Gwynn and a lot of other guys too. And he was the best I've ever faced. And and but you're right, it wasn't there wasn't quite enough longevity there to to justify. But it's fun to talk about. Hey, Jason, we've got to let you run. I know you're busy. We've got to wrap this thing up. Really, really appreciate you coming Thank on. Thank you with so us. much. Tremendous Thank information. Hope, hope we can come have you back on again and maybe talk about games that happen on the field. <laughs> what a concept. Hey, really enjoyed talking to you guys about all this stuff. Um, hope your holidays are wonderful and look forward to seeing you down the road. Thank you. Thanks hey, hey man, he follows, he follows me on Twitter. Does he follow you on Twitter? Wear that as a badge of honor. Hey, he's, he says he looks at everything. So you're right, even, you're right. even your opinions. The good, the bad, the ugly. You got it. Hey, thanks, <laughs> thanks Jason. Jason. Thanks again. Hey, Manny, I expect you to have a really strong closer this time. It's going to be hard to follow Jason Stark, but I'll, no I'll give it my best. We'll see if we can close it out. And we'll be right back on the Park Adjusted Rockies podcast. Stay with us. For the best selection of autographs and memorabilia from your favorite sports stars past and present, look no further than denverautographs.com. Find what you're after on the web or at either of their two Metro Denver locations, Colorado Mills Mall and Flatirons Mall. Broncos, Rockies, Avs, Nuggets, and much more. It's all at denverautographs.com. The place to catch all the big game action is at Stoney's Bar and Grill, now with four great locations, including Winter Park and the original at 11th and Lincoln. Great food, great service, and unrivaled game day atmosphere. There's no better place to watch your favorite teams in action. To find out more, check out stoneysbarandgrill.com. If Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are not elected to the Hall of Fame by the Contemporary Era Committee this weekend at the baseball winter meetings, does that put the final nail in the coffin for their chances? As our guest on today's podcast, Jason Stark, said, we'll be asking some weighty questions if those two are denied by the Veterans Committee. If that does indeed happen, as Jason predicts it will, baseball will be one step closer to never having the following in its hallowed Hall of Fame and Museum in Cooperstown. The player with the most hits, Pete Rose. The player with the most home runs, Bonds. The pitcher with the most Cy Young awards, Clemens. Yes, the first one gambled on baseball and the other two used steroids, but I have yet to hear a rational argument for excluding them from the Hall of Fame even if they are not afforded a speech and ceremony and their betting or cheating is prominently noted on their plaques. That's just history, something museums are known to preserve sometimes. All three of these players had hall-worthy careers. That much is hard to quibble about. Rose has the most hits, Bonds and Clemens had Hall of Fame careers before we know they began using performance-enhancing drugs. As Jason said on the podcast, we need to figure out what we want the Baseball Hall of Fame to be. Something it can't, a quote-unquote hall of purity, as Jason called it, or something it can't, a museum that tells the story of the national pastime in a candid, unvarnished way. We don't go to Cooperstown to see a bat Bonds used to hit one of his homers, or a baseball Clemens threw once to reach one of his many strikeout milestones. We go for the gallery of plaques and all the weight of glory that room holds. We've been having this debate about what the Hall of Fame should be for years and years now. It's about time we figured it out once and for all. Another successful closeout for many, which puts the wraps on another W. 
Our thanks to Jason Stark from the MLB Network and The Athletic for sharing his tremendous insights on the Hall of Fame and the entire selection process. We'll find out soon enough if he's right and Todd Helton finally gets his due. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.